Welcome to another inspirational message from the lead pastor of North Hills Church, Doug Green. It is our prayer that you are strengthened and encouraged by this message. Now prepare your hearts to hear from God today. Well, there's plenty of things for you to be plenty of reasons for you to be afraid. There are plenty of things of which you can be uh, fearful. And uh, the, the list is numerous. I mean, uh, it could be the, the finances, not only of the world, of your company, but your own personal family. Who knows how long this will go and how it's going to impact us. We just don't know. And therefore, we're tempted to live in fear. Fear is a very big part of uh, of uh, what Satan will do to uh, bring discouragement into your life. You can be afraid of uh, how this is going to uh, impact your future, uh, your relationships. Uh, You can be afraid for the church. Um, There's lots of things of which to be afraid. Uh, There's also the concern about discouragement. It's, easily, it's easy in isolated times to become discouraged by the ways uh, that you have been set apart. You don't see people the way you have. And uh, Satan is known and has a long track record in history of, of uh, importing dark clouds into homes like yours and mine. And I just want to say a very physical thing you can do on a daily basis just to remind you uh, that nature is speaking the will of God, is to go into your house, open up the blinds, open up the windows, let the natural light in, and as you're doing it, um, pray that discouragement will have no place in your home. In the name of Jesus, you pray against the discouragement that Satan will bring. Fear and discouragement are certainly options for how we face these uncertain times. And so, I thought about um, this, and I am going to return to a text that has been so meaningful to me in the last four years. It's four years ago, I sat in the backyard with a friend, uh, a Christian leader, a good one, who told me that he had been struggling with lots of fear, and so I asked him, what have you been doing? He said, you know what I've been doing? I've been reading Joshua chapter one. Joshua chapter one. Interesting. I went home and I thought all about that and I thought to myself, we as a church need to read Joshua chapter 1. In fact, let's look at the entire book. And so about four years ago we did. And today I want to take time to remind you who heard it and may have forgotten it or to introduce you who never quite thought much about Joshua chapter 1, about what God says about how he's going to help us in times like these. Uh, Joshua chapter 1 is a powerful first chapter in the Bible, and we want to talk about it today. Joshua chapter 1 is uh, the story of the Israelites standing on that side of the river, about to cross the Jordan River to go into the Promised Land. They have waited 40 years, and they have watched as God has uh, been faithful. As God has taken a new generation, these are the sons and daughters of former slaves, and they're about to go into the land that God had promised. 
And so in this chapter, this powerful chapter that still speaks to us today, I'm going to do what we did in four Sundays in just a few brief moments. But first of all, let's look at the structure of Joshua chapter 1. First of all, in the first nine verses, God speaks. And when God speaks, it's pretty awesome. But these verses, these words are really incredible. And you'll be blessed by how much they speak to us today. Secondly, Joshua responds. He responds uh, to God. What God has said, Joshua as the leader responds. And then thirdly, the people respond. And I love this. The millions of people who are on that side of the river, in an act of faith, they respond to Joshua. And I think what we're about to experience has a lot to say to us today. Would you then read with me in Joshua chapter 1, this first section? It says, Moses, my leader, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as, he, as I promised Moses. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Powerful promise. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. First time, God says, be strong and courageous. I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. God says it a second time, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right, to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Second time, God says, be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the law. Then we get to the famous verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Uh, that's what you call a rhetorical question. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. A third time, God says, be strong and courageous, but this time he says, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged. So let's take a look at these three uh, commands to be strong and courageous. First of all, God says early in the chapter, be strong and courageous because I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. These are powerful words. God's saying, you can be strong, you can be courageous. How so? Because I am going to be with you. The presence of God Almighty who created the heavens and the earth, who formed you out of the dust of the ground, He's going to be with you. Therefore, you can be strong and courageous. This is not um, the first time or the last time that God will say something like this. Check it out. He says multiple times throughout Scripture, I will be with you. In Genesis chapter 28, when Jacob is fleeing Esau, God says to him, Jacob, in a dream, I'm going to be with you. In Genesis chapter 31, when Jacob is about to leave Laban and is going to return to Esau, God 
one time, once again, says to him, Jacob, I'm going to be with you. Uh, Exodus chapter 3, verse 12. Moses, he's, he's taking his shoes off, his sandals off. He's standing on holy ground. And God says to Moses, there in front of the burning bush, when Moses keeps objecting to the fact that he's just not all that amazing, God says, Moses, you're going to be okay because I'm going to be with you. In Genesis chapter 33, I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 33, when Moses is up on the mountain and God's about to show his glory, um, he says to Moses, I'm going to be with you. And Moses says, that's good, because if you don't go with us, we're toast. We're no good. God says, Moses, I will be with you. In Judges chapter 6, verse 16, Gideon, who says, I'm the... I'm the, of the least tribe of Manasseh, we're the smallest group, and I'm the weakest of the thing. How in the world are you going to be able to use me? God says, Gideon, I'm going to be with you. Jeremiah chapter 1, the prophet's wondering how in his weakness he's going to be empowered to proclaim the gospel, the good news. Uh, God says to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, I will be with you. In Isaiah chapter 4, God's speaking to Israel about the return from exile. He's promising them about this little shoot that's going to come out of a stump. And in chapter 4 and in chapter 43, guess what God says to them? You're going to be able to do this because I am going to be with you. In Haggai, uh, chapter 2, verse 4, when Israel is called to rebuild the temple, they're not going to do it in their own strength and their own power, but God says, I'm going to be with you. And then in Matthew 28, in the most famous, I will be with you, the Great Commission, Jesus says, go into all the world, because I've been giving you all power and authority. Uh, teach everything I commanded you, baptize in them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and uh, I will be with you until the very end of the age. Multiple times, God says, you can be strong, you can be courageous, even in wacky times like we're living, because I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's a promise. You need to hold on to that promise today. God is with us. God is with us in this crisis. He hasn't left us. He hasn't forsaken us. He wants to use us, and his presence is with you. Second time, God says, be strong and courageous. He says, as a follow-up, be careful to obey all the law. <laughs> In other words, hey, I'm going to be with you, but you need to pay attention to the instructions I've given you because uh, I've given them to you for a purpose. I want to keep you within the boundaries of my care and my provision, and it's important to obey. It's huge. How many different ways does God say this in the Bible? Probably the most famous scripture that we all love to quote is found in Proverbs chapter 3, which says, uh, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, obey Him, and He will direct your paths. God says a second time, Be strong and very courageous. Why so? Because He is going to be with us as we obey him in every possible way. Don't you love God? 
He not only says he's going to be with you, but he tells you the ingredients for how you can live in his care. It's called obedience. Final thing uh, that God says, uh, third time that God says this, he says it in verse 9, be strong and courageous. And then two commands to follow that big command. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. But instead, be strong and courageous. What's the opposite of fear? What's the opposite of discouragement? Well, let me illustrate it in a chart that might be helpful for you to see. On the one hand, you have the red side that stands for fear and discouragement. God says, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged. But on the other side is what God offers, which is strength and courage. Strength defeats fear, and courage defeats discouragement. God's saying, be strong, be courageous. There are options for you in this life. There always is. You can choose the red side, and uh, we're going to call that the dark side, and you can live in fear and discouragement, or you can choose the blue side, which is strength and courage. It has a lot to do with where you're going to place your eyes. If you place your eyes on the world, there will be ramifications for that. If you place your eyes on Jesus, there will be ramifications for that. Let's talk about that, because it has everything to do with, with where you're looking. If you place your eyes on the world, this battle that you have to decide which way you're going to go, red or blue, is going to look like this. The fear and discouragement, like a very evil Pac-Man, is going to eat all the strength and courage that God wants to give you. Why? Because you're getting all your intel from the news, from the reports, from social media, as people are despairing, from doomsdayers. You're looking at the ways of this world, and you've taken your eyes off of Jesus. However, if you place your eyes on Jesus in this battle for which direction you're going to go, left or right, check this out. Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, gives you the strength and the courage to defeat fear and discouragement. You look at Jesus, and he has the ability and the strength to help you overcome. There's a song that many of us sang as children, and uh, I've thought about it a lot. I don't know if I can possibly say it better than this song. The author says this in the first verse. O soul, are you weary and troubled? I'm saying, uh, yeah, that sounds like the question that I'm asking. No, light in the darkness you see. No light in the darkness you see. And I'm saying, yeah, it seems like sometimes it's getting pretty dark. Here's the promise. There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. Takes us right to the chorus, one you probably know. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full into his wonderful face. 
And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. They get smaller and smaller and smaller in the light of his glory and grace. This is the deal. When you look at Jesus, you're going to be able to overcome the temptation to be discouraged, to be filled with fear. Jesus is here to help you. Look to him. Well, I love then, as God has now spoken, how Joshua responds. Joshua responds in verse 10. It says, so Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp. This is what Joshua is saying. Go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you for your own. Check that out. It says, so Joshua ordered. Or maybe you can look at it this way. So Joshua, uh, he's the person here who's just been told three times to be strong and courageous. It says he ordered. So Joshua ordered. Easy to miss these phrases that immediately respond commands of God. You know, you think back when Abraham gets called, the very next sentence says that Abraham went. There's a verb, there's an action that immediately follows a call for obedience. God's saying, be strong and courageous. And the next thing you know, in verse 10, it says, so Joshua ordered. How about that? Here, Joshua obeys. He's now going to put in place a plan that responds to the faithfulness of God. So Joshua ordered. You can put your name in there, Doug Obey. So God calls us to do something, so Doug did it. So Doug went out. Put your name in there and you see this need to not just hear God speak, but to respond in obedience. I like to ask the question, um, what would happen? I like, I like asking this question. I'm, I'm not opposed to this happening, by the way. If somebody this week walked in and through the mail slot put in a check for the church for $10 million. I, I'm just trying to be sober. 10 million seems like um, a sober number. We've never actually received a check for $10 million. So it would be a first. But what if they did? What if they put a check to the church for $10 million? What would we do with that? Well, my goodness, we could pay off our debt. Uh, freeing up all that income to go towards ministry. We could finish all the unfinished parts of the church. We could uh, address, uh, um, you know, um, maintenance that needs to take place. We could, uh, we could freshen up the outside and get a fresh coat of paint on the building. We could finish the, the slope or the landscaping. Boy, we could, uh, we could do all kinds of things to the church, including, you know, for the kids in the elementary department, Rather than coming down the stairs, they could go down a chute and they would drop them off at the bottom of the stairs. Wouldn't that be awesome? Or, uh, you know, we could uh, send every missionary that we support um, a year's worth of support, maybe two years, saying, we're sorry that sometimes we've been late, but now we're going to try to be early. <laughs> we, could, we could build churches around the world. We could help with inner city projects. We could, we could plant new churches. We could do so many things. We could 
put endowments to help the poor. We can make benevolence funds. We can do all kinds of stuff. That's what we do if someone gave us $10 million. That wouldn't be my choice. Uh, that would be a choice of a whole bunch of leadership. But we could do so many amazing things with that check as we cashed it. Now, the last thing you'd want to do is take that check and put it in a real, real, real nice, beautiful wooden frame and hang it in the front office um, of the offices. A check that would, uh, would just sit there and we would all look at it and we'd say, wow, look what God did. He gave us a check for $10 million. <laughs> no, we would take the money and as quickly as possible, within a 24-hour period, we would go to the bank and put it into our account so we could use it for the glory of God. It's one thing to take the words, be strong and courageous, and just stick them on the wall as a promise that God made, and uh, to put them up there on the wall and display them. It's a totally different thing to actually cash that check that God is saying, in these times, you can be strong, you can be courageous, and you can, out of obedience, do so many things to bring glory to God. Joshua obeyed, and as we obey, God's going to help us cast the check that he makes over and over again. One more thing about Joshua's words is that he says, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. We know in the context that Joshua is saying to them, take three days of food and get them ready because you're going to take them across and you're going to have three days of something to eat. You would think that Provisions, he'd be talking about weapons, he'd be talking about uh, military skills, he'd be talking about something. But Joshua's saying, with what you have, get three days worth of food, and we're going to go across the Jordan. And I'm thinking to myself, how interesting, just three days, just a small little ice chest full of food. Get that ready, because we're about to cross to the other side. Interesting, fascinating. Because you know what this implies? This is really pretty powerful. And I'm thinking about this in the midst of what's been going on in our world. And that is, um, you know, God's saying, get three days worth of food. And we're saying, but, but we need to get 300 rolls of toilet paper. We need to get uh, 300 masks and 300 gallons of water. And we need to be prepared in that kind of way. And there's something about being wise and being prepared for the time ahead. But God's saying, I only want you to take three days of food. Why? Because when you get to the other side, that place that you can't see, you can only live in faith about, when you get to the other side, I am going to provide for you from that land. I'm going to make sure that you have everything you need. You just need three days and you need to trust me. This is powerful when you think about what it looks like and what it means to trust God for things that you cannot see. I think we're in such a time as that. We're in a time where we don't know what the future holds, but we can trust him and we can know that he is our provider. God will provide. Finally, as you move through this uh, um, text, you get to the third part. And this is where the people answer Joshua. God spoke, Joshua has spoken, and now the people speak. I love that. God speaks, 
to the leader, the leader speaks to the people, and now the people respond back to the leader and to God. They say here in verse 16, Then they answered Joshua, Whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. What are the people saying? Hey, whatever you've commanded us, we're going to do it. And wherever you send us, we're going to go. Doesn't that sound like the posture of faith? And finally they say, only Joshua, let us remind you, be strong and courageous. God's told us to be strong and courageous, and now as our leader, we're going to tell you to be strong and courageous. You love that, the unity of this text. As God uh, speaks and says three times, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, Joshua says, get ready, we're going to be strong and courageous, and the people say, we're going, and Joshua, by the way, don't forget, be strong and courageous. Sure, fear is a big part of, of what it means to be alive in 2020. It's huge. It's huge. You're, you're not going to have a hard time finding people who are going to make you afraid. Sure, discouragement is uh, huge. You've made plans. You've had ideas of what you're going to do with this time. It's all on hold right now. Seems like you're losing ground and it's easy to be discouraged. But in the midst of this, I really think God wants us to hear him one more time as he says to us, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Why? I'm going to be with you. I've given you the law to direct you. I've told you how to live. And thirdly, you don't need to be discouraged and you don't need to be afraid. Because God, God Almighty, is with us. This concludes our teaching today. We hope that you have been strengthened and encouraged. For more information about North Hills Church, visit www.northhillschurch.us.